Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Good morning, T North family. Just want to start with uh, looking quickly at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And this is just such a good reminder to us that when we open the word, that it's, it's the word of God to us. This is, it's how, this is how we hear from God as his children and that his word is enough for us. No matter the time, no matter the season, we go to the word of God to find uh, the strength that we need to find the wisdom of God and to hear from God. And so I, you just need to know that as we open the scriptures today, that, that it's the Lord speaking to us. Lord willing, you will hear God speaking through me and be equipped and helped by what is said. So let's pray and then we'll look at the word together. Father, we thank you for your word. I know, Lord, every week that we look at your word and there's things that are said that are hard for us to, to do and to walk into. There's some things because of our flesh that does not come natural to us. But we know, Lord, uh, that your word is sufficient, your word is enough, and that because we're your children, your spirit resides in us and we can do what your word says. And so, Father, we thank you that you've breathed out your word to us, that, that men spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so we know that what is, we have here is exactly what you want. It's exactly what we need, Lord, to work through the issues that we're facing uh, in our culture and in our churches. And so we pray, Lord God, that we'd stay committed to your word and that you would speak to us from it now. Help me, I pray. Would you put a guard around my mouth? I pray the things that I would say would only help and build up my brothers and sisters uh, in the faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, We are in Luke chapter 4 again, and today we're going to go from uh, verses 31 to 44, and I want to talk to you about the authority of Jesus. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says he has total authority. He has authority everywhere in heaven and on earth. There's no spot in the universe that Jesus isn't in full and total authority over. Now, all of us have had moments where we've been suspicious of authority. We've all had times like that. I know I've had times like that. And I want to give you two reasons why that is, why we're sometimes suspicious of authority. And our our culture is that way. The first reason is because of our own sin. There's sin that resides in our flesh. And so we don't like the idea of somebody having authority over us, that we have to submit to someone. And so we, we, we push against that, uh, that reality. And then there's the reality of other people's sins. That there's been times in history where people have abused authority. They've been in positions of power and they have not used that well. And so that makes us suspicious. But 
When it comes to Jesus, we never have to be suspicious of his authority. We never have to be suspicious. And that's because Jesus always uses his authority for good. He always uses it in good ways. Our text is going to show that to us today, that it's going to show us that Jesus has total authority, total, absolute authority, but he uses it to help others, not hurt them. Look at verse 31 of chapter 4. It says, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And so the the scene shifts. Last week, Jesus is in his hometown. Now he's in Capernaum. And Capernaum was this large city where it was a a wealthy spot because of, of, of all the fishing that went on there. It was a fishing town. And so Jesus is again teaching And Luke says he's doing it on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the the day when the people of Israel rested from work. This was something that God commanded them to do in Exodus 20. He commands that they are to break from working. And in, in, in stopping and obeying this command, it was a reminder to them of their freedom. When they were captives in Egypt, they could never take a break. It was work, work, work all the time. They were driven to the mat. But God gives them this gift, and when they do it, it reminds them of their freedom. It also would have reminded them that they belonged to a God who cared for them and was looking after them. God gives Israel the gift of rest. And Jesus, he offers the gift of spiritual rest to all who would come to him. In Matthew 11, he says... Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says that if you are, if you're burdened, if you're overburdened in your soul, come to me. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus has all authority, but he says here, I am gentle. He's gentle with his authority. He says, and you will find rest for your, say it with me, souls. Rest for your Souls. When we trust in Christ, we get into this place of rest because we, we know that salvation, eternal life is coming to us. We can also rest because we know that the one who has total authority is in our life. These are two good reasons to place your faith in Jesus Christ if you haven't. Luke says they were astonished at his teaching, that it, it possessed authority. He doesn't tell us the content of what Jesus says. He just tells us the reaction. They've never heard anyone speak like this before. Jesus, when he, when he spoke, he didn't appeal to another authority. He appeals to his own authority because he is God. The people recognize his authority, and then they saw it on display. Verse 33, it says, And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! Huh. What have you to do with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. It says that the the man had a spirit of an unclean demon. And that that speaks of evil. uh, Evil attempts to, to destroy God's good work in the world. The demon who's in this man is trying to harm him physically and spiritually. And demons, if you're wondering, demons are fallen angels who work uh, in destructive ways in our world. Now, maybe you're wondering, can people be demon possessed today? The answer to that is yes. 
And then you're like, well, okay, if demons, people can be demon-possessed, can Christians be demon-possessed? The answer to that is no, because the Spirit lives and resides in us, dwells in us, and a demon and the, and the Holy Spirit cannot reside in the same place. We need to be aware that demons can't possess us, but uh, as Kalen Joseph pointed out to me this week, even though they can't possess us, Satan uses them to attack and discourage us. And when the discouragement and the attack come, comes, what we are to do is go to the word of God and there we will find our hope restored as we're told about the truth of God and the truth of what God is doing in us and in our world. They say, you are the holy one of God. They affirm his deity. And then they say, have you come to destroy us? They ask Jesus a question. Well, the answer to that is yes. Verse 35 says, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him having done him no harm. The, G Jesus speaks to the demon. He says, be silent. He says, come out of him. He rebukes the demon, he tells him to come out and he comes out immediately. He says, having done him no harm. This tells us the demon was trying to harm this man. But Jesus, he steps in and he uses his authority to help. We see the authority of Jesus in his power over demons. In his power over demons. At his word, the demon has to obey. Verse 36 says, and they were all amazed. Again, we get more reaction and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority, there it is, and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about him went out in every place in the surrounding region. The, the, the people recognize the authority of Jesus. They say, and they see it, that it's, it's from the word that he speaks. His, his power is seen in his word, they say he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Immediate obedience. Jesus is the stronger one who John predicts in chapter 3 that, that uh, Shayon talked about. Uh, that, that Jesus would come and he has come, this stronger one. The way a, a demolition crew destroys an old building, Jesus is destroying the works of Satan. 1 John 3 says, the reason the Son of God, we've been learning about this, that Jesus is the Son of God. The reason the Son of God has appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Demonic activity is real. We, there is a spiritual battle that is going on around us all the time. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. There's a, there's a spiritual battle raging around us all the time. Some of the things that we see going on in our culture right now is because I firmly believe that demonic uh, spirits are at work seeking to divide the culture, to divide the people of God. But we need to remember that Jesus has come. And that he has started to destroy the works of Satan. And Satan and his evil demonic team, they know that they're being destroyed. They know they're, in, they're fighting a losing battle. And before we move on from this, it's important to know that, yes, spiritual 
battle, the spiritual battle is real, but we also need to know that not everything is a spiritual attack. If you just are driving and you end up in t- in, and hit four red lights in a row, that, that doesn't mean there's a demonic attack happening to you. That just is just life sometimes. And it simply could be, Shayon said this, it should, simply should, could be God just teaching you patience. Not everything is a spiritual attack. So the word about Jesus is beginning to spread. And then he goes to Simon's house. Verse 38 says, and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And so Luke here doesn't say it, but Simon, this is Peter. And Peter's mother-in-law is sick. It says that she has a high fever. And fever in that culture, fever in that time, was considered a sickness. It wasn't a symptom of something. It was considered a disease. And so Luke is telling us here that she is racked with fever. She is held fast. There's another way you can translate this is that she was held fast in the fever, that she was in the grip of the fever. He's saying to us, her life is in danger. Luke understands that this fever is a force, that it's, it's holding her. Look at verse 39. It says, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve him. We see the authority now of Jesus uh, in his power over disease. He stood over her. That, that's, the, that's, a, that's this picture of authority. He stood over this fever, and it, he rebuked it, and as soon as he did that, it left her immediately. And this shows us here that Jesus has total authority over the physical and the spiritual world. All of it is under his authority. And then we have this another reminder of of, of the power of his word. He speaks and the sickness leaves. The, The healing was immediate and complete. He healed her physically and mentally. And we we know that it's, it's complete because it says that she rose and began to serve him. This is the natural response of a changed heart. When Jesus heals us, this is our natural response. We begin serving him by serving others. There's people in our culture, they're known for things. They're known for their rap style. Some people are known for their fashion. Some people are known for the way they cook. Some people are known for the amount that they talk or the amount that they don't talk. The Christian is to be known for their love. And the way we show our love is through gospel-motivated acts of service. That is a way that we do that. We are to be known for this. That's why we're called servants of Christ. Verse 40 says, Now, when the sun was setting, and all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. The, the when the sun was setting, that phrase, it tells us that the Sabbath is coming to an end. And so now the people are, are able to move around and get some things done. And the, the first thing they do is they bring their sick to Jesus. They, and they don't hesitate. As soon as they can get up and go, they bring those who are ill to him. And Jesus responds to their needs with patience and care. You see it in what Luke says. He says, he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. We see here the intentionality, the compassion and care of 
Jesus. And again, this, this picture that he uses his authority for good, which is why we can trust the authority of Jesus and not fear it. Jesus was healing people then, and he has the power to heal people now. And, and we are to bring our, our, our people to Jesus in prayer. That's how you bring the sick. We pray for the sick in our life. We bring them to Jesus through prayer. And as we bring them, we, we pray and believe that he will heal. We ask him to do that. If there's someone who is sick in your life, my encouragement to you is to pray for them. And even it, it says in, in, in the letter of James to call the elders to come and pray. We believe that Jesus can heal. But if Jesus chooses not to heal, then you need to understand that God is not punishing you, that he is not even punishing that person. And uh, Selena Lucas, she, she mentioned this to me this week. It's so good. She says, and we need to know that God's not, if he chooses not to heal, he's not laughing at you all, also in the pain. It's not as he's in indifferent in his wisdom he is using it James 1 verses 2 to 4 says consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance you're being your faith is being tested but it produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete lacking in nothing your suffering is never wasted. God uses it to mature us and he, he, he works in us so that we can even comfort others in their struggle. And you also need to know that your sickness and suffering won't last forever. Revelation 21 says, Behold, God says, I'm making all things new. And he said, write this down for the words of these words are trustworthy and True. God is making all things new. He'll make all things right in the end. And all things being made new includes your body. We will be glorified. The Bible says that when we see Jesus, we'll be made like him. All the, the pain and the struggle and the suffering will be gone. And so we find hope in that reality. And when Jesus comes, we're going to see his total authority on display. Here's another angle uh, to look at uh, this. Uh, I had lots of help this week on the sermon with the different people that I, I talked through uh, as I'm studying. And Shayon pointed this out. It says that uh, on this angle, he says that, that uh, healing, I want to make sure I, I get this right, all the people healed here eventually die. All the people healed here eventually died. Jesus is the only one who died and was raised and never experienced death again. And because Jesus is alive, deliverance from our ultimate enemy is available. The ultimate enemy is death. And those who believe and put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ have that hope coming to them, that eternal life is waiting for us. See, our hope should never be in healing. Our hope should always be in our resurrected Savior. Verse 41 says, and, and demons also came out of many crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Jesus here is putting in work on these demons. He's just casting them out left, right, and center. And Luke says they know that he is 
the Christ. They say, you are the son of God. The identity so far in the gospel of Luke, the identity of Jesus is voiced by angels. It's voiced by the father. And now it's voiced by demons. Luke is leaving no doubt about who Jesus is. He wrote this to Theophilus. He's saying, Theophilus, Jesus is the son of God. What you have heard about him, you can believe and be firm in that. And he says that to us as well. We can be firm in the identity of Jesus Christ. He is the son of God, our savior. Jesus silences the demons because he doesn't need their endorsement. Verse 42, he says, and when it was day, He departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving. So Jesus, he he goes to a desolate place. He he goes to be alone with his father. In the the Gospel of Mark, it says that when he goes to a desolate place, it's to pray. He's seeking divine direction. He did that all through his life and Ministry And Jesus, what he does here is he sets a good example for elders and pastors and, and leaders within the church and in and, 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 and sort of whatever area you get to lead in. We will lead well. We will exercise authority well when we are spending a lot of time with God when we are seeking divine direction. And when we spend time with God, we're also reminded that we are not the ones who are in total authority. Yes, we have some leadership authority, but God has ultimate authority. And so it brings this level of accountability to our life and makes us lead with humility, knowing that our authority is entrusted to us and we'll have to give an account. And maybe you're like, I'm not a leader. Well, it's just as important for you to spend time with God. Life is complex. We are in a game of chess, not checkers. And we need God's wisdom every day to make wise decisions, to live well, to love our neighbor, to love the people in our life and live a life that brings glory to God. And so we need to spend time with God in the word and prayer. And I say this a lot, but this happened again this week. God challenged me and exposed the fact that the time in the word and prayer in my life has not been where it needs to be. I need to do a better job of getting up, making time to listen and hear from God, getting in the word because life is hard, life is complex, and we need God's wisdom every day. And so Jesus, he's alone with God, and then the people come looking for him. They wanted him to stay. See, if Jesus stays, they, they, they're convinced. They think if we get Jesus to stay, what we will have is we'll have access to unlimited power all the time. They're being selfish. Verse 43 says, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogue of Judea. Other people needed to hear the gospel. Jesus says, I must go. I must go preach the good news of the kingdom of God. I must go and tell other people that that salvation is available. I must go and tell other people that the the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign has broken into the world. And so Jesus keeps it moving. He says, I was sent for this purpose. God does his best work through the preaching of 
the word. Jesus had been given a mission. And what you have here is people trying to bump him off that mission. They're trying to get him to do their thing. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm committed to do the thing that my father has sent me to do. I have been given a mission. The father gave Jesus a mission. And Jesus has given us a mission to complete. In John 20, he says, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, he's speaking to his disciples and now and speaking to us. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. There's a mission that has been given. We started with Matthew 28. We will go back there. Matthew 28 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, in light of this reality that I have all authority, in light of what I've said, go and make disciples of all the nations. This is our main thing. This is what we are about. And last week I said it, I'll say it again this week. That does not mean we ignore other important things. We need to be having humble grace-filled, spirit-filled conversations with one another about how do we relate as a church? How do we strive for unity without uniformity with our different cultures, backgrounds, and experiences? We need to do that stuff. We need to have those kinds of conversations. That is good. We need to engage and participate in acts of compassion and issues and justice issues. Micah 6 God said this first to the people of Israel, yes, but now in Christ it applies to us. He says, he has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love and kindness, justice and mercy, acts of compassion together. We are committed to this. To do justice and, and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. We're committed to these things. We are to do it in spirit-filled ways. We need to speak up for the unborn. We need to speak out when we see racial violence. We need to speak up when there's police brutality. We need to speak up when there's the exploitation of the poor, when there's lawlessness, when there's domestic violence, when there, people abuse their power. We need, we need to speak out and, and against sex, sex trafficking. We need to help the widow. We need to help the elderly. Doing all of these things, though, filled with humility and grace. We should, if we can, work to end injustice wherever it, wherever it is. It, there's nothing wrong with that. God expects that of us. But like Jesus, we do these things while staying committed to the main mission. We do them while staying committed to the main mission. Acts of, of justice and compassion passion flow from the primary call to make disciples. Let me say that again. Acts of justice and compassion flow from the primary call on us as disciples to go and make more disciples. There's an order to things and it must flow from a heart that has been transformed by the gospel. Because Jesus has come and met us in our neediness. Now we turn around and we go and we make disciples and we seek to help those who are hurting and struggling in the best ways we can. And we do all of these things because Jesus has all authority and he has sent us. And as we are faithful to the thing that he has called us to do, we are to believe firmly that he will use 
his authority. He will work through us to help others and not hurt them. That is the call on our life. Our Savior who has total authority has told us what to do and he is working as we are working. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray, Lord God, that we would have found grace and encouragement and help from it, Lord God. I pray, Father, that the things that you have said through me would have edified your church, that we are in a spot right now as your church, that, we, that people are praying as I'm praying, that our hearts would be to walk in these things while knowing that your Son, who has gave all for us, has total and complete authority over all things. I pray that would give us hope that as chaotic as things may, may be, that, that we will see Jesus make it all right as we, we seek to serve him faithfully. There's a day coming where all things will be made right. We thank you that it's true that your son has all authority and that we can rest in that reality, that he is working, that the demonic spirits that are alive in our world are being destroyed by him. They're fighting a losing battle. Help us to rest in Jesus and to trust him at all times. God, help us to believe that your word is enough for us and to walk into things that are said there. Thank you for giving it to us. Help us this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.